0: In the 21st century, the world searches for answers to the questions that really affect
1: our lives. Does anyone know an anagram for gonad dream? To debate the topics that really matter. Star Trek is in a good place right now.
2: Yeah, I can't agree with you on that one. And be brave enough
1: to state
0: the truth. Movies just don't end that way.
2: Three men dare to face what others fear. James. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't need that
0: image.
1: Jesse. Uh, I was thinking God or dog.
0: Joash. I want Stanley to be the one to wield the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy Thanos. If you hunger for knowledge, if you thirst for wisdom, if you're looking for a podcast that will make all your wildest dreams come true, you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to. The Anti-Matter Hour.
1: Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. Mm, Just uh, got a nice sip of tart, Cezanne, farmhouse ale there. Tasty.
0: Yeah, I like it. It's got um, kind of a not yet ripe raspberry aftertaste to it.
1: Yeah, that's true. The, uh, not nearly as pucker-inducing as last week's, or last uh, times.
2: So yeah. uh, let's just go ahead and um, do this properly, since uh, we've got a decent-sized collection going. What we're drinking right now is the Degard Brewing Oud de say. Farmhouse-style ale blended from three years aged in oak barrels. Yeah, and uh,
1: it's pretty tasty. I like it.
2: And the reason we're drinking this beer is because, well, this particular one is left over from two years ago.
1: Oh.
2: Uh, Two years ago, Jesse and I attended the Brews for New Avenues uh, charity beer auction and walked away with a decent collection of beers. And uh, just uh, was it? Wait,
1: was that two weeks ago? Yeah, I think I think it'll be uh, two weeks this weekend, I guess. Uh,
2: so yeah, a couple Maybe weekends 11. ago, yeah. we went again to the Brews for New Avenues and walked away with thirty-four beers this time. Thirty-four quote-unquote rare beers. Nothing, nothing too outrageous. Just um, stuff that you wouldn't normally find. Uh, or wouldn't commonly find in your local uh, bottle shop or tap room.
1: Yeah, a, a little more rare than um, than it is typical for even even like a standard bottle shop or uh, you know some of, some of the beers we got you might find at Belmont Station or John's Market, but not certainly not all of them, and uh, maybe not even many of them because they're just you know, small batches and from, uh, you know, not necessarily exotic, but relatively uh, distant breweries.
2: Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a Degard beer at the, our local bottle shop. I uh, yeah. haven't really been looking necessarily. Anyway, there's not much need to look, as we now have a collection that includes about 15 Degard beers. Yeah. And a, a wide selection of a few others. Um. So every time we try one of these, I think we should make sure we you know, mention all the details we can about it.
1: Yeah, no. uh, th- this particular beer is a wild uh, farmhouse blend. As you mentioned, uh, three years of oak and oak tank uh, uh, matured dissay batches. I don't know what that means. We're going to have to find out more about the Desai style because several of our beers say that on it. Uh, presents expressive fruit character from the fermentation, a restrained acidity, and balancing oak and funk character, according to, uh, uh, what is this, uh, untapped. Also, the, uh, oh, uh, uh, Joash's check-in just (laughs) appeared. Tart, but not overwhelming. Somewhat of an underripe raspberry aftertaste. Oh, that's what you you said. You did say that. Uh, the community rates it at a 4.23 uh, and uh Degard Brewery it's an interesting uh uh I don't know if it's a story uh, Degard Brewery is just an interesting brewery they're located in Tillamook Oregon on the Oregon coast uh it's a somewhat rural it's like a cow town um and they're you know they're not historically known for their beers or or brewing And this is not a traditional uh, North American brewery. Um, They uh, specialize on uh, spontaneous fermentation, which is more of a European farmhouse uh, tradition. Um, That means that they use just wild yeast uh, that just happens to be in the local sort of flora and fauna to spontaneously drift onto their... Uh, fermentation vessel and start the fermentation process um, yeah so anyway uh they're fairly uh, well known and well respected for that uh
0: for that aspect of brewing
1: yeah and that and that particular uh craft of doing sours or wild ales uh spontaneous fermentation. Uh, barrel aging, cask aging, um, it not 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 universally, but nearly always results uh, in a style uh, with that tart or sour type of characteristic. It's a characteristic of the yeast um, and uh, in the barrel aging process. The barrels are often uh, many many times, if not frequently, uh, aged like old oak wine barrels, so they'll extract tannins and uh, wine flavors from the barrels and uh, sort of get that into the beer as well.
2: So the long and the short of it is all the beers we have from Degard Brewing and probably most of the beers in our now, I'm just going to keep calling it the rare beer collection, are fancier beers than we're ever likely to try anywhere else. More more complicated anyway. yeah. Yep, yum yum, yum yum yum, yum yum yum. So, uh, like I said at the beginning, it's been a little while. We took last week off. We, we all had some, you know, uh, time conflicts, so we couldn't get together. So, what's been going on?
1: Mm, I don't know. What's I've, been going on with you? <laughs>
0: I've been getting into board games quite a bit myself.
2: Getting into suggests that you weren't into them before, which I happen to know is false.
0: Well, let me put it, uh, I guess I'll put it this way. I've been, my, my, uh, I, I've always been into board games, but I should say I'm getting, I, uh,
2: getting back into getting,
0: them? Yeah, getting back into board You're games.
1: Devoting a higher percentage of your uh, available, uh, time, time and yes. resources to playing uh, board games.
0: Yeah, it was about, I don't know, maybe a month ago. I think when the three of us and another one of our friends, Aaron, got together and we played King of Tokyo. Right. And that kind of reinvigorated me wanting to play board games. And that specific game, um, which is uh, a game that was created by Richard Garfield, who was the head guy who kind of started Magic Magic the the Gathering. Um also
1: a fan of lasagna.
0: He, he also hates Mondays. Um and uh anyway, so that particular game I felt was a game that um was um had you know a, a level of of strategy, if you're uh, Ooh. <laughs> but um but no
1: lockbox.
0: No <laughs> but uh but uh was simple enough to be able to pick up that you know, young children could do it. So I ended up getting it and uh, play it with my kids quite a bit. And that kind of reinvigorated my interest in board games. And uh, I had a a couple of more complex board games than your Monopoly, that sort of thing. One of them being Pandemic and found that uh, Pandemic came out with uh, a few years ago, what's called a legacy game, which is a style of game that takes a traditional board game that is played just once and then you kind of play it over and over again. But with Legacy, it has a certain number of times that you play it, and as you play it, things affect the board game going forward on a permanent basis. And uh, and then once you've played it, you can't play it anything beyond that unless you have some sort of reset pack or something.
2: Yeah, it took me by surprise when we were playing that game... And at one point, you just literally ripped up one of the cards <laughs> because it told you to destroy the card.
1: Right. It's yeah. that point and at the point whence we started applying stickers to the uh, game pieces and the game board that I uh, then understood the full, I think the full sort of meaning of uh, why it's a legacy.
0: Right. Yeah. And um, it, it's, an, it's an interesting concept in that... Uh, and everyone that gets that board game is going to end up having kind of a different outcome to some degree because you don't choose the same things and different events may occur that sort of thing but uh, it just it adds it, it kind of adds to the stakes of the board game a little bit you know no one who gets a board game is used to tearing up pieces usually it's preserving them that sort of thing so it just kind of adds a uh, the slight level of excitement, and we ended up uh, playing uh, Pandemic Legacy Season One uh, the first two months because we won both times, and that was a lot a really exciting. So I'm excited. There's another board game I'm looking to get called Red Dragon Inn and stuff like that. So that's what I've been up to.
2: Do you think that kind of legacy board game sort of appeals to people because, uh, like, mo- most commonly when somebody buys a uh, one of these like strategy games a lot of pieces and it's kind of involved that they typically only play it a handful of times in in, in its lifetime and so why not make it more of a lasting sort of thing rather than your typical you know you play it once and then you just repeat and repeat and repeat this time you know you play it once and then there's lasting lasting effects for the next time which has lasting effects the next time it's like a season of tv show more than (laughs) it is a Just a bunch of random episodes,
0: right? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think it's. uh, I think that. um, Also, I think it's. It's a way to because there are a lot of people who enjoy having some sort of a a campaign or storyline that follows with the game. Yeah, and so this is a way to take a board game that could other that would otherwise just be like you say, kind of a random one-off, and then create it into a season of a TV show.
2: Well, I just mean, like, I'm used to playing some board games that provide you with, like, say, a pad of paper that might have something, you know, some detailed stuff on it. And, you know, you, you play through the game once, and you, you, all, all you're really doing is wait, you know, going through a piece of paper. And the next time you play through the game, you just tear off that piece of paper and start a new one. Yeah. But this game makes permanent changes to the the stuff included, you know, it, not, you know the board itself and the cards, the just permanent changes to the game that you can't then replay later. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and on top of that, it also takes what is normally a difficult game and adds difficulty to it as you progress.
2: What has it also brings that sort of um, it's like when you play a video game, you know, like you know just throw a basic one out there like Super Mario Brothers or something. Oh, no, I've lost all my lives. Well, I'll just restart from the beginning and try again. This game doesn't have that because you've played one game of it and that permanently causes changes to the next one. Yeah. It's it's that uh, permanence that most games don't have that just st- stands out.
0: Yeah.
1: It seems to add um, a degree of, I don't know, um, what do you call it? Uh, stakes. Like, it raises stakes a little bit. Yeah. And then it also, uh, I don't know, I think I've got the wrong term but I was gonna say it uh makes it a little bit more immersive but I don't think necessarily the that aspect adds to the immersion but it but it does sort of
0: it 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 it, it, it gives weight to the decisions that you make.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well I see it as adding another dimension to the t- decisions you're making because you're not just making decisions for the game you're currently playing, you're also thinking about what's going to happen next. Right.
1: This is also a uh, a team oriented game, or a you know a singular goal. Uh, yeah, a singular goal. But each each player is incur you know is compelled to uh, um, think of what the other's players you know what's coming ahead for your character can do different actions than my character, and uh, we can. You know, ultimately, um, you know, you want to sort of create one sort of decision as a group. Yeah. But you know, if there's conflict or differing opinions, then uh, you know, it really, sort of that's that's an element.
0: It, it, it's interesting because pandemic <clears throat> pandemic in and of itself is a cooperative board game. Usually, you know, a lot of people who who don't play a very style of board games will play just your typical competitive board game. You're all playing against each other. One person wins. Whereas with pandemic, <clears throat> you are playing together and you're playing against the game itself. And the game has mechanics built into it that uh, are trying to prevent you from winning. And so you have to, as you're, as you're saying, Jesse, you kind of have to coordinate um, to have a kind of a singular plan on how to move forward, uh, in order to, in order to win, and so when you have, when you have, you know, when when your decisions, uh, you, you know, normally it would just be, oh, my decisions, oh, we lost. Well, we'll just start over. We can play again, and this time we'll win. In this case, you lose, and then after you lose, there are things that are ha- that happen that will change how you play the game moving forward.
1: Yeah. And of course, I have no idea how it compares to the non-legacy game, but those elements where you modify the game and uh, and the game is you know affected going forward, um, those uh, those are confounding and throw a wrench into your uh, sort of you know you said we have a generally you, you're going for like a collective you know work together strategy and those. Uh, events w- essentially just work to confound whatever strategy you just uh, developed.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I've I've really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, and you know I think we'll we'll be playing that again at some point in the future. And just um, I think it's a really great time for uh, for board games in general because there's a lot of avenues for independent developers to be able to come out with board games that may not have seen. The light of day, otherwise through Kickstarter and things like that. It's a board game Renaissance.
1: Yeah, we we also um, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, my last week or so uh, been quite busy with uh, working and uh, doing a lot of Uber, and uh, uh, this last weekend uh, I finished up with that a little earlier than I typically do uh, due to. Doing it, working a little heavier schedule early on, and spent a good portion of the weekend uh, just vegging out around the uh, house uh, while that was part of the board game, uh, and also watching um, a lot of movies and television. So uh, I'm I'm pretty uh, pretty stoked about uh, a few new shows, and uh, uh, which we uh, aren't all watching, but some of them we are. Uh, and oh uh, we watched the fast 5 so we we have that uh, James James and I watched fast 5 we're trying to um push through all of the uh, fast and the furious movies did you have a, a review or uh, uh thoughts on uh, fast 5
2: well i'm not really much of a, a, a car enthusiast i'm not a car guy but uh, you know I, I like the fast and furious movies for being you know pretty just simple rewatchable action movies but what i want to get to is the point where they turn from being a sort of more of a a car focused movie to more of just a over the top dumb action movie based on the trailers i've seen for some of the more recent ones i think we're pretty much there uh in fast 5 that's the that's the first movie where the the rock makes an appearance where Dwayne johnson shows up and him and vin diesel have a you know a bit of a a fight or two in that movie, which is pretty good. But I'm hoping that the sixth movie takes it up a notch and just just has that type of action that makes you just just completely just uh, separate from reality and just uh, just go with it. And <laughs> sure, a car can a car can you know jump over an entire lake or something.
1: Like I, that. I, mean, I hope it wasn't. Uh, we watched it together. I hope it wasn't uh, my my style of watching those kind of movies wasn't. Detracting from your enjoyment of the movie because that's the kind of movie that I like to. Uh, I mean, I thoroughly enjoy watching these. Like, I don't know what you want to call it, like action porn. Like, you know, like a just gratuitous action and over the top action and more explosions and and bigger fights and uh, more outrageous stunts. And uh, but I like to sit and watch those and then go pick it apart as I'm watching it, going like, "Oh, that would never work," or "Oh, this is impossible to." the to if he fell from that high you know the the fall alone would you know bust his skull open in a million pieces or you know that sort of, and that's not exactly what happened in the movie but uh hopefully uh my style of watching the movie didn't uh take away from your
2: uh well they're not movies known enjoyment. for their uh, strong plot lines so there isn't a whole lot to follow um which is good so uh yeah, talking throughout the movie is less of an issue with movies like this. I feel.
1: Yeah, strong uh, strong plot movies or uh, movies where the uh, in the movie theater and the lights turned down uh, would never uh, uh, never break the immersion.
0: So what you're saying is that <clears throat> these aren't think pieces. I
1: right. don't know where you're getting that from, Josh. <laughs>
2: well, you're not thinking about you know what's going to happen next in the plot so much as as Josh mentioned sort of. Picking apart the action that's happening and identifying the aspects of it that just can't exist
1: in reality that's jesse jesse yeah
2: you said Joe Ash uh,
1: or you might be thinking about how is um uh how's Gal Gadot going uh, uh get the bad guy's handprint uh uh she was in fast five yes yeah there
2: was there was no jesse there was no question about how. Uh, they were going to get the handprint. Of course it, was just, not. it was just a matter of how long it was going to take him to do it. Right. <laughs> it, it took him a little bit longer than I thought. But it happened exactly as I envisioned.
1: Yeah. Uh, Galgado Gadot uh, and uh, who else was in that? Uh, George, oh, it's all the regular, uh, the regulars. Uh, Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, Jordana Brewster. Um, What's somebody like else. I um, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. I
0: can't remember his name. Dang it.
1: Yeah. But anywho, uh, yeah, good movie, uh, good action. Could watch it again, but going to hold off on that until I've watched the other newer ones, which are all, like, you, you have them all already, but I'm, we can get them for three ninety nine on Amazon. Might just, like, squeeze one in, you know, some night after work or something.
2: Yeah, phrasing.
1: <laughs> he
2: said, "Squeeze one in." Oh, sorry. All right. right, it's okay.
1: So that's where that's where I'm at.
2: What about you, Jamie?
1: Yeah, what were we? Uh, why weren't we here last week?
2: Well, last week I was at a Weird Al concert for the fourth year in a row.
1: Lucky. How very weird. Yeah, it was pretty
2: weird. I guess. Uh, I mean. I'm not sure how uh, much how weird one expects a Weird Al concert to be. Pretty weird, I'm I would, guessing. I would think pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But w- that w- which means that it met expectations, which in itself is not that weird. Did it? Any so are you? So you're saying it was a
0: normal Weird Al concert?
2: Yeah, it was your. It was your pretty typical Weird Al concert.
1: <laughs> did did it any time anyone say utter the phrase "Let's get weird"?
2: No, nobody would ever do that at Weird Al concert. Okay. They'd be kicked out immediately.
1: Oh, that's unfortunate.
2: <laughs> no. But I, I, uh, you know, I, I got tickets like six months ago. Uh, I was, I was a little bit off the ball, and I, I wasn't ready to buy tickets like the, literally the second they became available, which is why I was in the third row as opposed to the front row.
1: You know, they had reserved seating there.
2: They do if you buy the VIP tickets. Oh, yeah. and that's the, that's how you get to actually meet and greet with Weird Al. So. Learn
1: something every day.
2: But uh, during the concert, I was getting into a sort of a unofficial, well, of course it's unofficial, but it was mostly in my head, a, a little bit of a lip sync battle with the guy sitting next to me. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, too weird for you, Jesse? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Well, on one side of me was uh, this kid who, who came with his, you know, some of his family. I didn't look to see who was down beyond him, but... On the other side of me was this guy who I think was there by himself like I was. And we both were you know, Weird Al fans. We both knew pretty much all of his songs, including the words to most of the songs. But we didn't necessarily both know all the words to all, each of the songs that he was doing that night. And so you know, Weird Al came out and played his first song. And I, I, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed that this guy you know, sitting next to me was mouthing the words to the, to the song. I thought, oh, I can do that, too. (laughs) (laughs) So I I started doing that, but then I realized this particular song, and I can't for the life of me remember what the first song of the evening was off the top of my head, but I realized I didn't know all the words like the the guy seemed to know.
1: Why am I standing here not pretending to sing the song myself?
2: But then the next song comes up, and then like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, I know this one so I, I, I'm, I'm consistently you know, lip-syncing the entire song, and the guy next to me you know, takes a few breaks. I'm so like, okay, I, yeah, I, I win this round. <laughs> <laughs>
1: did, he, uh, did he perform Let's Eat It, Just Eat It?
0: I don't think he's doing any of the Michael Jackson stuff. No, oh, he, he stopped
1: right? doing Michael oh. Jackson songs
2: based off that uh, Return oh. to Neverland thing.
1: Woe is me, woe is me.
2: But he did play my favorite song of his, which is Dare to Be Stupid. Oh, my gosh. And not only did he play it, uh, so okay, so the first half the, the concert was in three parts. The first part was just the orchestra, because in his, in, his, in his current tour, he's got a 40-piece orchestra every time he plays, which is new. And so uh, just to make sure that you know, they you know prove that they ex- exist and play and can play you know music properly, the first part of the song is just the sym- the, the orchestra going through um, some stuff. They played uh, the Indiana Jones suite, the Superman suite, and the Star Wars suite. And that was all before Weird Al made an appearance. So that was the first sort of third of the concert. Then Weird Al came out and, uh, you know, did some songs. You know, know, he was on stage the entire time. Uh, You know, he wasn't leaving, coming back, and doing costume changes or anything. Just song after song after song for this part. And then the last third, they would um, take breaks in between the songs, play some stuff on the screen some because uh, Weird Al's been in various movies and TV shows and things over the years. They play clips of those. And when they, they when they'd come back, both Weird Al and his, um, his band, band, I guess yeah. you'd call it, the, the band that basically he's always played with, they'd be in costume. And one time he comes out there and they're all wearing these yellow jumpsuits with the, uh, the red oh, red yeah, hats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's Dare to be Stupid. Dare to be Stupid played with a 40-piece orchestra. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a trio of women that were uh, sort of the backing singers, I guess. And uh, yeah, that was, that was awesome. And, and in case you're wondering, I, I did win that round of this uh, limp, lip sync battle I was I playing. I would hope so. Yes.
1: It, it, yeah. Sounds like a great time. And then after
2: the, uh, after the concert, there was an after-party. See, see, I've been to four Weird Al, Weird Al concerts, which uh, I later learned that the guy next to me easily beat that number. I, mean, I think he'd been to like 15 of them or something. But uh, I've been to See Weird Al in concert twice at this particular venue up at Edgefield. And the last time he was there, when you purchased a, a meet-and-greet ticket, there was a, a party before the concert where you do things like spin the wheel of fish. Oh my gosh. And uh, whatnot. But this time, the party was after the concert. So after the concert, we were escorted to the after-party venue, and we sat down, and it was all uh, it was all very very classy. They had this fake fireplace going. They were playing, uh, you know, classical music. There's a I should show you uh, the uh, this picture. They had a weird owl in a, in a frame, you know, wearing some sort of like, you know, Renaissance like sm- era smoking.
0: Oh, Renaissance era. Yeah, just oh, okay. you
2: know, really, yeah, uh, like classical style like garb or whatever. And uh, of course, we were eating pizza. That kind of ruined it a little bit, but it was it was nice. And then uh, we got to meet him. You know, by which I mean get a picture taken and then we went around again and got him you know, a second time during which time we got him to sign something. So, Yeah, that was good. What would you have him sign? Well, uh, every, uh, th- for this tour every stop that he makes has a, a unique poster made for it. So I had him sign the poster that they gave us. They gave it to us before the concert so it was a mm. little dinged up by the time I got it to him. But yeah. I, I think once I put it in a frame it'll be fine. But I had him sign that.
1: That's cool. So, yeah, was, it, was, that was it like fun. a uh, not a caricature, but like a art, like a, a concert poster with like sort of an art aspect? <laughs> to it, uh, no, <laughs>
2: no, not at all. Oh, uh, I can't bring it up here, but I'll, I'll show it to you. There's nothing. <clears throat> it, it's it's weird. I'll give it. I'll I'll describe it as.
1: I was just wondering because I've seen in many of the McMinniman's properties I've been to, they have. Uh, Concert posters from all, many, if not all, of their past concerts, like uh, framed and, and uh, posted up on the walls, sort of as an art. Uh, I don't
2: kind think of they'll thing. do this one. Uh, the, the poster wasn't made by McMinimans or Edgefield; it was made by the tour. Oh. Um, and this doesn't seem to fit with their style. Um, it's a very stylized poster representing the so, uh, the song "Like a Surgeon."
0: Oh, jeez.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't. Yeah, I just don't think uh, <laughs> Edgefield would be hanging on their walls.
1: <laughs> you mean his song is like a surgeon, not like a sturgeon?
2: <laughs> no, it's like a surgeon cutting for the very first time. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you've never heard that song? No, no. I would, yeah, If I gymnastics. had to guess, I would have guessed like a sturgeon.
2: <laughs> uh, see, now you're 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 under, underestimating the the genius of Weird Al. Yeah, you're going you're going one level too far.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: Anyway, that's what I was doing last week.
1: Yeah, so um, everybody had a uh, week of varying activities. No no trivia last week.
0: Nope. But trivia today, we won. As usual, uh,
1: we
2: pulled it together in the last round or two. Yep.
1: Yeah, I had a very weird... I guess uh, that's unironically... <laughs> A uh, weird uh, feel to it tonight. <laughs> it felt like me to me like we were having an unsuccessful uh, trivia.
0: Well, one of the rounds, which just I did I, and it was almost like it was almost like they were running out of ideas, and so they felt like they had to just come up with something. And the round the the theme of the round was called "What's a Harry Potter." And it, all it was was just random questions that had a Harry Potter themed pun shoehorned
2: into it. Well, they weren't really puns, even the the questions themselves had like a particular term from a I Harry could, Potter yeah, book, like in
1: them. an analogy or or like something.
2: But the answers were just you know completely unrelated to Harry Potter.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of the questions tonight had a uh, feel like not not. I wouldn't say like just a lazy, just kind of a boring feel to them, and uh, it was also compounded by the fact that there was a uh, uh, training in training trivia host whose uh, microphone skills were not up to up to snuff, so to speak. Well, we're
0: we're comparing him to Rob,
1: and well, also a group behind us that was being very loud and distracting. I mean. The bar is open, so you can't really tell them to shut up because the bar is open, and they were not playing trivia. They were there to enjoy themselves.
2: But we did tell one group to shut up, this, this guy oh. that was shouting out the answers who wasn't even playing. We told
1: him to shut up real good. Yeah, Yeah, in a friendly but not entirely facetious way. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, so you walk into a bar. There's a guy at a microphone who is asking questions. And no one else is talking when he's asking the questions. Do you just shout the answer out? <laughs> if you're
1: that guy, the answer is yes, you do shout out the answer Oh, answers.
0: okay. Yeah, of course.
1: Well to his credit, he may not have it may not have registered with him because perhaps like the first fifteen answers he didn't know and then the first one he did know it just sort of clicked and then boom. <laughs> well,
2: I guess in his defense a little bit. While, yes, there is a guy at the front with a microphone shouting out stuff, they could use a little bit of signage maybe, like a little sign that says Geeks Who Drink or something, or I Trivia
1: in Progress. It probably
2: help, something like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: Regardless, it was a successful, albeit frustrating, night of trivia for me. It was how you still had fun.
2: This was the first time that we've done Geeks Who Drink Trivia where there was not a second audio round. Instead, oh, that's right. Instead, they replaced it with this...
1: Like a puzzle round or something.
2: Well, they, they handed out these uh, pieces of paper with um, the clues on them, and they on the honor system, in the in the words of the uh, t- uh, in-training quiz master, we weren't to flip the paper over until he said to, and then we had two minutes and ten seconds to uh, fill in the blanks with the wedding-related movie titles, and uh, it basically gave us a bunch of two-letter pairs that we, you know, would fit in these blanks. And we, I mean, we got a perfect score that round, but uh, which, is <laughs> which is
1: more than we usually
2: score in an audio round, but still. Yeah, that's true. Still, I, I prefer the audio round to yeah, that. I was
1: not real fond of that uh, round and a couple of the others. But I guess moot point, since we came away as the winner again.
2: Yeah, we probably shouldn't complain too much because... I mean, we've been winning first place for the last four weeks or so, so we're we're doing pretty good.
0: But I yeah. like to cry and whine. It's what I'm good at.
2: Well, you, then you go right ahead and do that, Josh. <laughs> okay.
1: I also um, recently uh, started, uh, I guess, catching up on a... Series that I had never watched before, sort of a gap in my uh, geekdom or knowledge, so to speak. Uh, but I just finished the first season of Rick and Morty. Uh, that's that's one that uh, I'd heard of a long time ago and never just never bothered turning on to watch. And I'm really enjoying that quite a bit.
2: Now, uh, Josh, have you seen that show? I have not.
1: Okay,
0: I know the general premise.
2: Well, I've seen the whole thing, so I. And Jesse's only season one, and you haven't seen it at all, so I you know, can't really talk about it too much, I guess. No, yeah, except in it, gen- it, general terms. It's I mean. an animated show for adults. You definitely don't want your kids seeing
0: it. Well, yeah. No, I I, I know that. It's basically a... <clears throat> it's kind of a takeoff of Back to the Future in the sense that you've got...
2: Very, very loosely, though. Yeah,
0: uh, I mean, uh, thematically, you have you have the, the same characters, except that... Uh, well,
1: so, sort of. They, they they do have expanded uh, sort of the characters are like an expanded backgrounds that they don't right. explicitly it's go not, into. No. In, uh,
0: but I mean, if you if you were to if you were to look at the characters, you would understand that one is Doc and one is um, Marty. Marty.
2: Right. Yeah, I think I feel like when the creators of the show started it, that's where they started from but then they took it to a place where it really bears no resemblance to the movies? Oh, no,
0: no. By no means do I mean to say just that the, the, the I, I think it's, yeah, it was an inspiration point.
1: The, fam- the family structure is at least loosely similar. I mean, the, the uh, but like I said, they expand on things that aren't explicitly a part of the movies uh, to develop the characters.
0: Yeah, and and essentially it's just they have varying adventures based off of multiverse and multiple dimensions and things like that.
1: And also uh, they delve quite a bit into uh, kind of the, I don't know if you want to call it human nature, but the psychology of uh, interaction between the, this family and, uh, uh, you know, varying degrees, uh, morals and ethics and, and things like that.
2: What's Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, because uh, I haven't watched it for a bit, but I have seen all the episodes. It's on. A, it's on, currently on a bit of a hiatus, but I know that season four will be coming along eventually. But was season one, was there, a, you, sa- you said you've seen all of season
1: one, Jesse? Yes.
2: Was season one, did it contain the Cronenberg episode? Yes. Uh, okay, good. Uh, I mean, like most of the episodes in Rick and Morty, it's really difficult to explain it, but... Uh, Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. All the episodes do contain a a high concept sort of uh, moral dilemmas, though, and uh, I think that that Cronenberg episode was no no different.
2: Well, the plot is mostly driven by uh, Rick's just reckless application of science to things, and in this case, he basically ruins an entire
1: entire universe. An entire
2: universe. (laughs) And so they have to move to a different universe, right? Right,
1: uh, <laughs> it, it, and then the show just continues as if nothing happened, uh, except for it's referenced once or twice uh, going forward. But yeah, that's that's a very, I mean, well, they it, they set it up as only a speed bump in like the universe of Rick and Morty, but one would think that that's a massive, like you know, sort of problem. Is it? Is it too in real life?
0: Is it too strong of a term, or is it too strong of an idea to say that a lot of, kind of one of the central themes is the fact that Rick is kind of an abusive alcoholic?
2: Well, he's definitely an alcoholic. He's pretty much cons- constantly drunk. Uh, he's definitely abusive. Whether or not that's due to his alcoholism, though, is one of the things that the show sort of explores.
1: Right. It's it's more, I think it's, a, again, it's a big, uh, every every episode attempts to expand on in some some aspect of what's moral, what's immoral, and what is you know, you're pretty clearly in the camp where certain characters have certain uh, as uh, certain characteristics to them that you're not supposed to you're supposed to dislike, right, and uh, and be very critical of, but then occasionally. Uh, as it, as is, you know, life is not black and white. Uh, there's shades of gray. There's always, you know, that one thing that they do to, that, you know, brings it back around uh, where they're not completely, you know, like, it all is not lost. Did so season it,
2: one, I, I really can't remember the order of the episodes. Did season one have the episode where they screw up time? Uh,
1: Kind of. I think, uh, I mean, I can't say if that's the only time that that's happened, but there is one that's very... Uh, uh, time, timey, wimy, I guess you'd say.
2: Like, I don't. I don't mean the one where they stop time. I mean the one where they break it.
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah, there's an episode where, due to due, due to some negligence inv- involving you know, science, they break time. Which is, I mean, you have to see the episode to understand what that means. But uh, there's a, there's a point in that episode where Rick makes a sacrifice, a pretty noble one. But then uh very shortly afterwards, just sort of sort of uh covers it over, and it yeah, it's questionable in the first place but uh there's definitely at times when you know this 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 reckless scientist who's drunk most of the time you know mm-hmm. demonstrates some seems to demonstrate some you know basic humanity, but only just enough for you to question whether or not it's real or not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's a great. I I I would venture as far to say, uh, it's a great show, but it's a it, it's no um no urgency to go out and and watch it. You could anytime you have extra time, you could just start it up and power through a season real quick.
0: How many episodes are in a season typically?
1: Seems like about ten or eleven.
2: And there's three seasons currently out.
1: And they're like 20 minutes.
2: Uh, and there's been a bit, a bit of a hiatus. and I, I'm pretty sure a few more seasons are coming, but I don't know when.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I've been watching that. And as with a lot of the shows, many of the shows that I watch, I've also been uh, um, a fan, sort of following along on fan fan podcasts uh, with Rick and Morty. Currently, I listen to a podcast that... Uh, analyzes and discusses the uh, HBO Hard Knocks, uh, HBO's Succession, uh, Rick and Morty, and what other, uh can't think of any others that I'm actively following right now that are TV show po- oh, just, uh, you know, some of the latest uh, movie release podcasts.
2: I don't know that we want to be talking about other podcasts right now.
1: No, no, no. I think that would be make a very interesting segment uh, on, uh, on this podcast. It's a po- podcast review.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking... I don't know. Let's... Uh, maybe we should talk about something else. Okay. So how about that... Um, <laughs> Uh, the the Disney Sony uh, conflict over uh, Spider Man. That's pretty recent. I think it's just in the last day or two. Yeah.
1: So, my question uh, after thinking about it a little bit longer is uh, why doesn't uh, Disney just buy Sony?
2: Well, I they may not have the uh, capital to buy another movie studio right now.
0: Well, it's, and it's not just a movie studio. I mean, you'd have to be negotiating that particular part out of the rest of the corporation of Sony. And Sony's fairly, fairly
2: large. Yeah, but Sony Pictures, and I don't know how the ownership of Spider-Man works, but Sony Pictures hasn't been doing so well, especially with their comic book offerings lately. I mean, they, they have one success that I can think of, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. an animated movie. And I think that Venom movie was somewhat well-received. It, I, I think it warranted a sequel in the, in how
0: well it did box office wise. But
2: it hasn't been that long since the second attempt by Sony to do a Fantastic Four movie, which was awful. That wasn't Sony. That wasn't Sony. That was Fox. Fox had Fantastic Four. Yeah. Oh. Which what is why
0: the? which is why it's a part of Phase
2: Four. Oh, they absorbed Fantastic uh, uh, Disney absorbed Fantastic Four.
0: Yes, and X Men. The only the only Marvel thing that Sony owns is Spider Man.
2: That's it. Oh, okay. I, I just figured they'd own a few more.
1: Sony's market cap is uh let's see here.
2: Yeah, I guess they've, all they've done is Spider Man.
1: Seventy billion. I guess that is pretty big. I thought I didn't think it was that big.
2: Well
0: yeah, because you have all of the electronic offerings as well as probably some other subsidiaries that they own.
2: Do they still own uh, CBS?
1: CBS is a like Time Warner, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I thought it was NBC. No, NBC is is uh
0: Comcast. Oh, wait,
1: CBS, oh, Comcast Universal, yeah.
0: Yeah, Comcast
2: Universal owns NBC. So CBS doesn't own a, a network station?
1: CBS is a uh, network yeah. Sorry,
2: station. Sorry, Sony doesn't own a network station.
1: Uh, I don't think so. I don't so. think so. Hmm. Maybe, maybe another, maybe an overseas network.
2: Yeah. Well, my take on it is there's some stuff happening now that's, it's, it's public, but it really should just be happening in the boardroom or whatever. Uh, and I just don't see any chance that there won't be another Spider-Man movie as part of the MCU because everybody involved likes money. Yeah, it's just a question of this is all we're seeing right now is just a tactic by uh, various parties to get more of the money.
0: Yeah, it's. I feel like it's a lot of posturing. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, Sony uh, at this point knows that they'll they'll make more money with a MCU Spider Man than they will with rebooting for the third time. I think the third time, the, the Spider Man in house. Um, so I think over the next few days or weeks, we'll eventually here a, a deal is made and there'll be a there'll be another Spider-Man in the MCU but maybe not for phase 4 but at this point with the MCU as a whole I think I mean I don't, I don't I mean I'm sure they have a plan but their phase 4 just seems a little bit unfocused introducing a whole bunch of new things a whole bunch of new movies and shows and I don't know which direction they're taking it in but
0: it'll be it'll be difficult to say because we don't know what the overarching plot is going to be f- to, to Phase 4. Up until now, there's been a way to at least be have somewhat predicted kind of what what direction things were going in because we understood it's all about the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Wars and stuff like that. But now that that, arch, that overarching plot has gone away with, we don't know what the next one's going to be. It's going to be something... I mean, they have a movie of the Eternals for crying out loud. Yep. So it's going to be something that's universal-wide, possibly multiverse-wide.
2: Well, at this point, I feel like, I mean, this whole time, and the Disney, or Marvel, and the MCU has been breaking new ground in terms of superhero movies. And it was all about Endgame. It was all about the Infinity Gauntlet and all that stuff. That's done now. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, it, it, this is now, again, new territory, so they're going to have to figure it out, you know, what, it, what it means from here forward, because you know, they, they've been breaking new ground the whole time, and that's and they're still doing that. So I'm
0: really, really interested to see what Kevin Feige does with the X-Men.
2: I, is he going to do anything with the X-Men? Yes. Okay.
0: X-Men and Fantastic Four are going to be in Phase 4. And Kevin Feige's, like, favorite comic book was the x men he said that multiple times so
2: well, we just had an x men movie come out from fox Dark Phoenix, blah. which was was poorly received. I mean, I haven't bothered to see an x men movie for a long time yeah um i mean the last the last movie I saw, which was in the x men universe was Logan, and that was okay. It wasn't really an action movie, it was kind of action, I guess but I enjoyed Logan. I enjoyed Logan quite a bit, yeah. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't. Eh. The, uh, the MCU is going to have to, or Disney in the MCU now is going to have to reboot the X-Men. Yeah. And basically tell new stories yep. and bring back characters that we've seen before played by different actors and hopefully do a better job of it.
0: It'll be really interesting to see what they do with Deadpool, too.
2: Yeah, I just don't know. Uh if if they disneyfy in quotes Deadpool too much, it w- won't be good.
1: Yeah, I think that one's I think that one's safe uh yeah. And uh, I think they're pretty much in kind of fuck it, just throw whatever we want up against the wall mode with I mean,
0: I think that sentence was actually on the memo that um Eisenberg wrote to uh to Kevin Feige. Oh, is that right.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> As a uh, quick matter of correction. Uh, I, I was just noticing uh, uh, CBS isn't a uh, oh, owned by another order? no, it's not owned by another company. It's uh it's privately held still oh. by uh uh controlling interest uh, Sumner redstone uh who also owns a controlling interest in Viacom. So CBS is sort of a Viacom uh parallel. CBS and Viacom are both uh sort of in semi-partnership. And, uh, they used the, to
0: be in league with Paramount, too.
1: Yeah, it, it, and there, I didn't check that. There may still be some relationship there, but uh, apparently they're the ninth largest media company uh, worldwide. Um, and that would make them actually coincidentally uh, probably the closest parallel to the media company depicted in the movie or the TV show Succession, Succession. that I'm watching uh, because they mentioned somewhere that they're the eighth or ninth largest media conglomerate. Um, and uh, But their goal uh, in the show, it's, it's such a good show. <laughs> we haven't talked about it too much, but the goal in the show is for the, the family's patriarch states very emphatically and boldly they will be the last uh, legacy media conglomerate standing and the largest media conglomerate in the world. <laughs> That's like his his like stomping on the ground and pounding his fists on the table uh, kind of goal. So in that way, he sort of could be seen as like a Sumner Redstone or Rupert Murdoch type. Right. The legacy style of kind of media.
0: CBS's big thing right now is that they own Star Trek. At least the T V show. Not the movies. That's right. still owned by Paramount. Yeah. But
2: Which is why they're the uh they're releasing that uh Picard show sometime, I don't yeah. know when soon, I hope. That's
0: going to that that's going to give a pretty good influx of membership to CBS's uh all access.
2: Yeah, I haven't subscribed yet, but I will for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, me too. Yep. So uh not uh, uh i guess i don't know apropos of nothing or whatever um, with those media companies what? with with the media companies <laughs> with these media companies the uh ability of them to survive and uh m- and grow and change and manipulate and acquire uh apparently i've been learning uh is is largely due to their uh, ability to shape a news narrative um, that's uh, only only the companies with a currently with a traditional like legacy news network uh, so like your ABC, NBC, CBS Fox are the companies that are still able to kind of s- withstand like the technology uh, boom and the technology st- kind of studios coming out uh, because those news networks give them sort of a bully pulpit and uh, and uh, kind of just an upper hand on on some newer media, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, that's how... I mean, that's... You see that a lot within the YouTube space. You'll have a situation where something will happen within YouTube and then you've got like the wall street journal and CNN and all these news networks will carry it and they tend to over simplify, which means that they like overhype things like the whole thing where, you know, PewDiePie is a white supremacist oh, yeah. because of this stuff and whatever. And it's like, no, that's not true, but it's a way for them to kind of instigate, what was called the ad apocalypse where you had a lot of ad com- a lot of large companies pulling ad support because it was looking bad for them to be right. added onto that and that sort of thing so it's kind of like what you're talking about where it's like YouTube is this kind of it's like the wild west of media right now yeah and you have a lot of these kind of traditional legacy companies that are looking at it and saying there's a lot there's too much money being spent over there and not enough money being funneled our way as far as ads are concerned. Yeah. So and what are some ways that we can shape things to kind of...
1: Well, they have the trusted name, trusted brand, trusted uh, uh, news faces yeah. and uh, personalities. And, and uh, so it's a channel that people look back to for legitimacy.
2: People trust what they see on YouTube?
0: Yeah.
1: It's the 12-year-olds.
0: I mean... It's it's not so much a matter of trusting what they see on YouTube. It's it's a matter it's just a matter of, of tuning of, of into YouTube, tuning into YouTube. How many eyes are being there? And the thing with YouTube is that they broadcast and project the number of eyes that are seen there. So, it's a lot easier to be able to quantify that and sell that to ad companies. You know, to be able to say, "Look, these are the number of unique views that are on this video." Or that we get, you know, within this category or however And, it's
1: and they sold. essentially there's nobody that really uh there's not really a open source way of verifying that. So essentially they just have to sort of trust people. Like uh Twitter says they have hundred million active users every month. And right. Facebook says they have one point seven billion active users every month. Those are proprietary numbers, so they can say whatever they want. Nobody can really uh question it
0: yeah
2: yeah this is all getting too close to uh real life stuff to, uh, <laughs> Too uh re- real too life too heavy yeah let's uh whos who's got something that uh we were just talking about spider-man let's let's talk about something like that again so so, I mean. <laughs> so it's interesting
0: uh there's um I think Gamescom is coming up pretty soon. And it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of people that are speculating that the Switch may be getting Super Nintendo games. (laughs) Or Nintendo may be adding Super Nintendo games to their um, online subscription.
2: There's speculation because I believe Nintendo either registered a patent or something... For a SNES-style controller. Yeah. Which is what they did right before they released the Nintendo Entertainment System online to allow you to play regular Nintendo games. So they're just drawing a conclusion from that. But yeah. nothing's been announced yet. So it'll be interesting, because if that
0: happens... That Sounds like fun. Oh, my gosh. Super Nintendo... Having some... I mean, most likely you're going to see a lot of first-party games on there, but still, that's... A lot of really good first party Super Nintendo games. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that maybe Super Mario RPG will be on there.
2: Well, I'm just confused why it's taken Nintendo so long to get to this point. Because with the previous systems, the, they had the Wii, they had the Wii U. Uh, when you had those systems, you could get the Virtual Console and download Nintendo and Super Nintendo, and I think in some cases the N64 games. No. No, no N64 games. No okay. N64 games. For whatever reason, those were too difficult to emulate. Well, whatever the case is, just right off the bat, you can get Nintendo and Super Nintendo games, and you didn't have to go online to play them. You could download them, you know, purchase them for a small fee, and then play them offline from that point. Yeah. And Nintendo has abandoned that, and now you need to pay a monthly or annual fee and go online in order to play their games. A monthly, annual fee? I said monthly or annual fee. Oh, that
1: explains it, because that's how the uh, business model of virtually every company is going now, is going away from uh, sales to subscription.
2: Yeah, except Nintendo, as always, is the last to adopt anything. I mean, their subscription system for this is relatively, I mean, understandable, but... If you want to play online with friends, it's still difficult.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like the problem with Nintendo is that they—they're very innovative in some areas, and in other areas where it seems like innovation has already led to established success and would mean you just include this, they tend to shy away from. Like the whole, like their whole online. Uh, Ecosystem is it's very... V- it's dark ages compared to every other console. Well, every other. The other two consoles that are out there.
2: I think they feel they're trying to protect kids from meeting strangers online, but it just makes things difficult. Yeah, but I mean... Uh, <laughs> Even so, the
0: fact that that they don't have an online chat system that you have to go through your phone to do that. There's no excuse for that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. You want to do friend codes? Fine. But at least have a way to have a party system where you can meet with your friends online, chat online, have an easy way, especially for your established games like Super Smash Bros., Have 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 an easy, available you know, way to play with people online. And I, I, I also understand that Nintendo, especially with the Switch, is trying to maintain a very kind of uh, old school or retro style of um, local, local cooperative play mm. or local play where you're in the same room and playing, you know, with games like Smash and with games like, splatoon and and uh, and mario kart and super mario Par- or mario party and stuff like that um which i think is is great i mean i have a ton of fun being in the same room with people when i'm playing those games but you know if you're going to do online do it right <laughs> you know this and and it seems like they uh, it, it just it seems i don't know it seems like they uh it seems like they don't understand how to do it right. Almost like they, they, they just want to ignore.
2: After this amount of time, they can't possibly not understand it. They just are just rejecting it. I
1: guess. Quote of the night, do it right.
2: Do it right. Yeah, just, I don't
0: know. But um, I'm looking forward to uh, the remake of Link's Awakening. I like think that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we will finally get a full release of Pokemon on a uh, on the console as opposed to it just being on the handheld. I kind of <coughs> th- I kind of think that I kind of think that they're not going to be doing any sort of a handheld system outside of the Switch.
2: At this point. Well, it's both a handheld and a a home-based system.
0: Yeah, but I mean, with the Switch Lite, you're looking at just a handheld system at that point.
2: Yeah, they did something similar with the 3DS. Uh, They released the 3DS, and then they said, maybe some people don't want all the bells and whistles, so here's the 2DS. And then here's the new 2DS, and the new 2DS XL. Is the name of the new Switch going to be the new Switch? You you mean the switch light or no? They're doing a new one that has a longer battery life. Longer battery. No, no, it, no, they've already done that one. Yeah, uh, they're doing a new one that's got like a better processor and a glass screen and stuff. I don't know what they're going to call that. Yeah, I bet it's going to be called the new switch.
1: Kind of like the new iPhone.
0: It's going to be called the Switch U.
2: Hey, Switch U! <laughs>
1: <laughs> what else are you guys looking forward to in the near future?
2: We're getting, we're getting pretty close to Oktoberfest season. Just a few weeks away.
1: That's a fun one. I do love Oktoberfest. Drinking beer out of a large container.
2: Marsden style beer, polka music,
1: festive dirndls, uh, festive on, on other people, uh, ethnic uh, Germ, Germ, uh, Germanic uh, German uh, German cuisine.
2: Sausages, yeah. yes. Yes. And uh, brats and sh- worsts and sh- schnitzels. Schnitzels. Yeah.
1: We have a uh, birthday party for uh, work acquaintance coming up uh, uh, this weekend. It's a Napoleon Dynamite-themed uh, birthday party.
2: Uh, do you... Okay. Do, I, you, do you work with... I wanted to say children, but I mean that movie was a while ago. So. No,
1: it's it's Tina from the flower shop. Uh, uh, I don't know what that means exactly, except that. Oh, uh, do you
2: get to do you get to throw spatulafuls of food at her and say eat your food, Tina? Is that why she wants that theme? Is because that movie features a llama named Tina?
1: Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, Whom Napoleon
2: Dynamite refers to as a fat lard,
1: possibly. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I don't know why. I just know that's the theme. Uh and uh apparently by pure coincidence John Heater is uh in Oregon this weekend uh doing a uh uh like a fifteenth anniversary of the movie tour uh with a special screening. Huh. Uh by pure coincidence. Sure. Which well I hadn't nobody seems to have known about it until like just now. So I, I did not know
2: <laughs> about it.
0: I am looking forward to in a couple of weeks. We are going to be uh, going out for a late celebration of uh, the birthday for Jamie and myself. And we are going to be doing an escape room, which is always fun, and going to the whiskey library, which I am very much looking forward to.
1: And celebrating August.
2: That's right. Or the end of it.
1: The end of the summer. Point. The yeah. end of summer.
2: Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, it's always nice to do an escape room I haven't done, as opposed to doing a uh, one you've done before. Yes, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> a lot more <laughs> fun.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's... i mean, I've done at least half of the ones in the Portland area by, by now, but there's still a few I haven't done. Look, yeah. So that'd be that'll be nice. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Uh final thoughts, Josh. Enjoy yourself. We will to tell. Okay. <laughs> uh to quote uh Jesse from before we started recording, uh let's get weird.
1: <laughs> drink everybody drink everybody's beer, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs>